Good morning again, everyone. Let's begin this morning by hearing God's word given to the prophet Isaiah, recorded in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Hear now the word of God. But there will be no, no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtala with contempt. But later on he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness will see a great light and those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor as at the battle of Midian. Every boot of the booted water, warrior in the battle torment and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government shall rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Last week, Jordan launched our Advent series, A Child is Born, introducing for us this text found in Isaiah chapter 9. And as Jordan reminded us, God inspired the prophet Isaiah to write these words 700 years before the birth of Christ. So just think of the countless numbers of people who had been ministered to by this passage of Scripture prior to the birth of Christ and the countless numbers of people who have been blessed by them since the birth of Christ. But we must recognize that at the time that Isaiah penned these words, the people of the northern kingdom of Israel faced an ominous threat of invasion from an evil and cruel enemy, the Assyrian Empire. Now, Israel was morally bankrupt and militarily weak. And the Assyrian army was strong, vicious, and ready to attack. Israel sat waiting in gloom and anguish for the intimate attack that would crush their country. Everyone knew that people would be brutally killed Families would be destroyed, the land would be devastated, and the nation would suffer shame and humiliation. And they just waited. Yet in the midst of all this despair, the word of God was announced to the people of God. They were told that their gloom will 
be turned into rejoicing. Their anguish would be turned into gladness. Their darkness will be turned into light. And how will the Lord do this? Well, the Lord will break the yoke of their enemy and the rod of their oppressor. He will roll up the boots and the garments of the Assyrian army and use them as fuel for the fire. But how? How will the Lord do this? How will the Lord defeat this brutal oppressor? A child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest upon his shoulders. God's answer to the brutality of the world is a child, a son. And the scripture tells us that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. God sent a child to conquer the hearts of the nations. And we see that's exactly what Jesus did. Now, the Assyrian army was growing and expanding. There is no doubt about it. But God wanted to remind his people that this child will establish a kingdom that will have no limit to its increase. And we see that's exactly what's happened through the accomplishments of Christ. All nations have come under his government, the kingdom of God. Now, the Assyrian army, they were establishing their empire and they were doing this through brutality and through violence. But this son would establish a kingdom upheld by justice and righteousness. And we see that's exactly what Jesus did. I just want you just to, to just take it in, just Understand that 700 years before the wise men came, 700 years before the angels sang, 700 years before the shepherds came, Isaiah explained what Christmas was all about. And he prophesied, a child will be born to us, a son will be, give, be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And we know that the birth of Christ was the fulfillment of this prophecy that we find in Isaiah chapter 9. Let me just give you one example. The angel of the Lord told Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. So, I mean, how many parallels do we have against, between this announcement of this angel to Mary and the passage of Isaiah chapter 9? Matthew's gospel tells us directly that this scripture in Isaiah 9 was speaking to the ministry of Jesus Christ. As he launched his kingdom ministry in the Galilee of the Gentiles. We have certainty to know that this passage is in reference to Jesus' birth. And Isaiah goes on to tell us that his name will be called... Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, 
Prince of Peace. Now, with over 250 names and titles given to the Lord in Holy Scripture, scattered from Genesis to Revelation, Isaiah brings together four concise names that appear nowhere else in the Bible. Nowhere else in Scripture do we find the four names of Christ crowded together like we find it here in Verse 6, it has been said that this is the greatest single verse of all Scripture describing the Lord Jesus Christ. These four names, they capture the total person and work of Jesus Christ, telling us who he is and what he does. Now, you know by being biblical scholars that you are. That names are taken very seriously in the Bible. A person's name identifies who that person is. And we see it over and over and over again. And I was intrigued. So I researched the names of our church staff. What they meant. And because I think it's important for us to know who these people are. Amen. Well, Jordan's name means to flow down or to descend like the River Jordan. And I think we could really come up with something really kind of cool with that. I'll leave it to you, but to flow down, to descend, you know, kind of like the dove, if you would. You know, like, you know it's, it's really kind of cool. Now, Mona's name, <clears throat> it really depends on what region of the world for Mona, because for some Mona means noble one. That's pretty cool, right? But if you, if you came from another region in the world, Mona's name means unreachable wishes. <laughs> Basically what it means, she's a woman that you can never satisfy. What do you think about that, Alex? <laughs> I think that's the reason she comes, that's the, that's the part of the world she comes from. Unreachable wishes. Now, Jade, her name means jewel. Oh, let's just all, oh. Cool? Manuel's name means God with us. Thanks a lot, bro. <laughs> My name means strength. So out of all the staff, I think that Manny wins the name and as I told the nine o'clock service, I've never really thought of Manny as God with us, but I guess I have to change, change my point of view. It's going to take a work of God, though. I'm just telling you right now. My father's name was Marlon Eugene Kelso. Marlon Eugene Kelso. Now, my dad shared with me tons of stories about our family and about our heritage. He really helped me to connect with my Hoosier heritage. My dad passed away a year ago. And as I stood looking at the engraving on his headstone at his grave, the thought came to me, where in the world did my dad ever get the name Marlon? 
Out of the countless thousands of stories my dad has shared with me, he never shared with me once why my grandparents named him Marlon. Marlon. So I went and asked as many relatives as I could, and no one knew why my grandparents named my dad Marlon. Well, the name Marlon means dweller at a famous land. <laughs> and my dad was born and raised in Indiana. If you know anything about Indiana, it's not a famous land, all right? So I continued my search, and I went to babynamescience.com. And I looked up the name Marlon. And there it was right in front of me, right there on the screen. Quote, Marlon, a very unique male name. <laughs> Thanks a lot. No kidding. A very unique male name. And I know that they teach us in seminary that we should never use numbers in sermons because people get lost in numbers and all. But I just got to share this with you. All right. So the first time the name Marlin appears on the records is 1902. And when you check those records, the name Marlin ranks in at 502. So there's a lot of names above Marlin. And then when you get to 2012, the website records that the name Marlin is given to only 30 boys in the entire state, uh, United States. And it, the name fell to 1,982. So it's, he was in the 500s, now he's almost into the 2000s. It's a very unique name. 1,982, only 30 boys. Why was my dad named Marlon? I'll never know. I'll never know why my dad's name was Marlon. But brothers and sisters, we can know for certain why Jesus was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. These four names perfectly describe who Jesus is and what he does. These names describe with absolute perfection the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if there were no other names given in the scriptures but these four, we would know, we'd know everything we need to know about who the Messiah is. Jesus is my wonderful counselor who brings guidance to my confusion. Jesus is my mighty God who rescues me from chaos. Jesus is my eternal Father who showers me with compassion. Jesus is my Prince of Peace who resolves my conflicts. So for this Advent season, we're going to dig deeper to discover why Jesus was called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. And today we're going to start with Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is our Wonderful Counselor who brings guidance to our confusion. We live in a confusing time. Many voices telling us what is right and wrong. Voices coming from our electronics, coming from our televisions, coming from our radios, coming from the workplace, 
coming from our politicians. Everybody's telling us what's right, what's wrong, which way to go, what we should believe, what we should do. But the Bible tells us that Christ is the wisdom of God. I just want you to marinate on that just for a second. Christ, Jesus, is the wisdom of God. All the wisdom of God is found in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible also tells us that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Again, just marinate on that for a minute. In Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, these treasures of wisdom are not hidden from us, but rather they are for us in Christ. Therefore, those who desire this throbe of of wisdom must seek Christ, who is the wisdom of God, who is the knowledge of God. Now, the Bible also tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom, all right, so just a time of confession here. It's, it's, it's okay to have confession at church. But how, how, how many of you have gone through times when you've lacked wisdom? Can you just raise your hand? Say, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. We all go through times when we lack wisdom. But the Bible tells us if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives with all generosity and without reproach. This is tremendous good news. Just link it all together. We have a wonderful counselor who has all wisdom and knowledge and generously gives guidance to anyone who would ask. And he gives without reproach. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how stupid you've acted. He will give you guidance in the midst of your confusion. I I really do think that we have to come to the point like the Apostle Peter, where he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. But so often we go to other places for wisdom instead of to Jesus Christ. Our wonderful counselor has the words of eternal life. And this is the reason why the multitudes, the Bible tells us, were amazed at his teachings. For he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. This is the reason why the congregants of the synagogue of Nazareth were astonished, asking, where did this man get this wisdom? Isn't he a carpenter's son? And even his enemies are recorded of testifying. Never did a man speak the way this man speaks. I don't know when things changed. But back in the day, and the older you you get, back in the day gets further away. But back in the day, if you found out that somebody was going to a counselor... You immediately wondered, what's wrong with you? I guess the thought was that a person should be able to take care of their own problems. A person should be, didn't need a counselor 
And if they did need a counselor, well, they were really messed up. But somewhere along the way, we all came to our senses, thanks be to God, and, and we realized that we're all messed up. That we all need a counselor. And God knew that. And that's the reason why he inspired the, the, the prophet to write it down. He is your wonderful counselor. Now, of course, there's a difference between an earthly counselor and a wonderful counselor. An earthly counselor must ask what you need, whereas our wonderful counselor knows what we need even before we, he, even before we ask. We see that our earthly counselor helps, hopes that he can helps us, help us, but our wonderful counselor knows he can help us. And of course, you know you have to make a, an appointment with an earthly counselor, but the great thing about this wonderful counselor is he's always available any time of the day and night. He's there for you if you'll call out to him. Now, when you study the encounters Jesus had with individuals in the gospel, what you'll discover is that Jesus always knew what to say. He always knew when to reach out to a seeking heart, and he always knew how to rebuke the reckless. He certainly is a wonderful counselor. Let me just give you a few examples. See, Jesus knew that Nicodemus was hiding behind religious pride. Nicodemus was hiding behind religious pride. So he told Nicodemus that he had to humble himself as a child to be born again. Jesus knew that the woman at the well was hiding behind the shame of five broken marriages. And that the man that she was currently living with wasn't her husband. But Jesus spoke to her words of grace and dignity. Jesus knew the woman caught in adultery felt condemned. But he spoke to her words of forgiveness. Words about how, how to start a new life. Jesus knew the materialistic heart of the rich young ruler. So he told him to sell all of his possessions, to give money to the poor, and to come and follow him. Jesus knew that Peter's mind was on an earthly kingdom. So he rebuked Peter, saying, get behind me, Satan. Now that's one thing you don't want to hear a counselor say to you, okay? <laughs> but Jesus knew that Peter needed to hear it. My point is, is that Jesus, as our wonderful counselor, he was a wonderful counselor for every situation in life. And you can just read through the Gospels and see these encounters. And you see that he knew how to minister to every situation. He counsels us spiritually, relationally, emotionally, etc., etc., etc. Have you all ever heard the phrase, don't tell me what to do until you walk in my shoes? Basically, it's the idea that a person shouldn't give advice unless they had experienced that situation. And that's, that's the reason why it's difficult for people to receive marriage counseling from a priest. It's difficult for a person to receive family counseling from a single person. I remember we, we started our first church, we planted our first church, I was 24 years old, 
and um, we were ministering in this community, and um, and there was this one guy, and he, he really had a problem with, with alcohol and with anger and stuff, and I was trying to reach out to him, and I remember one day he says, boy, you don't tell me what to do. He was right. I mean, I was 24, 25, 26 years old. What he needed is to hear from the wonderful counselor. The point is, is that Jesus experienced every situation that we've ever experienced. Any situation you go through, the Bible tells us Jesus experiences. You are not unique. I know the world wants to tell you that we're all unique. We all should get a trophy and all that kind of stuff. But the fact is, our, your situation is not unique. Jesus has experienced every situation you're going through. Fear, doubt, confusion, temptation, Jesus has, has experienced. As a matter of fact, Jesus has walked in our shoes. Jesus was tempted, the Bible says, in all ways like we, yet without sin. And the Bible also tells us that since he himself was tempted, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He has walked in our shoes. He is our wonderful counselor that sympathizes with our weakness so that we can draw near to him in confidence. Later on in the inspired text of prophet Isaiah, the Lord declares these words, and I just want you to take it in. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you, directs you in the way that you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would be like a river and your well-being like the waves of the sea. Jesus is your wonderful counselor who wants to teach you what is the best for you, wants to direct you in the way you should go. But you have to pay attention to his commands. But if you do, there's promises. You will experience peace and well-being. And who doesn't want that for Christmas? Peace and well-being. So Jesus is our wonderful counselor. And the question is, will you seek him for guidance today for whatever you're going through? You don't have to make an appointment. He's right here waiting for you. As I conclude this morning, some of you here today knows what it means to experience an encounter with this wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. You have immersed yourself into the word of God as you face financial, emotional and relational difficulties. And that's how we seek his guidance. Is by getting into the word of God. You have discovered that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you seek out his word, that you do experience peace and well-being. You have sought the Lord in prayer as you face times of sorrow. You have experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which has empowered you to live out the gospel in a fallen world. For those who have discovered 
that in Christ are all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, for you, you should praise God this morning. You should thank God that he didn't leave you with your own understanding. Leaving you to lean on your own understanding. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Such a beautiful name. Amen. But others of you might be going through times of gloom or anguish. You're facing an ominous threat of an invasion in your life in one form or another. You are like the children of Israel during the time of Isaiah. I just want to let you know that the enemy comes to kill and destroy. The people of Israel knew that in reference to the Assyrian army. And we need to know that about the enemies in our lives. It comes to seek to kill and destroy. To be vicious. Some of you today are fearing the loss of your job or your business. The loss of your family. Loss of your marriage. Loss of your health. And possibly even your future. So what should you do? You should do exactly what God told the people of Israel to do in Isaiah chapter 9. You should look to the Christ child to turn your gloom into rejoicing by seeking the wonderful counselor. You should look to the Christ child to turn your anguish into gladness as you seek the wonderful counselor. You should look to the Christ child to turn your darkness into light as you seek the wonderful counselor. You should look to the Christ child to break the yoke of burden and the rod of your oppressor as you seek the Christ child. You should look to the Christ child who will give you guidance in the midst of your confusion for he is our wonderful counselor. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful name it is. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we come to you today thanking you that you did not leave us in our ignorance. You didn't leave us into our own understanding. But, Lord, we come to you today confessing the fact that we often try to sort out our confusion by our own ways, our own means, listening to the words of this world. And, Lord, we come today asking you to forgive us for such behavior. We ask you, Lord, to come and minister to our hearts and lives. Jesus, you are our wonderful counselor. Turn our gloom into rejoicing, our anguish into gladness, our darkness into light. Lord Jesus, come and break the yoke of the burden and the rod of our oppressors. Break them, Lord, and give us guidance in the midst of of our confusion, for you are our wonderful counselor. What a beautiful name it is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.